everyone. Uh, this is uh, an in-between show. Um, so it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a show that is in between the before and after show. It's a bonus episode, if you will. Uh, it's yep. kind of a companion piece to the YouTube show's best movie of 2016 video. You don't need to have seen it to uh, appreciate and listen to this episode, although I would like you to go see it. Yeah, go watch it. But I'm joined by Corey Tindall. Hi, Corey. Hello, Internet. And we're going to talk about La La Land. Yes, and we are. The reason we're going to talk about La La Land is because Corey and I have kind of a shared <laughs> favorite movie of the decade right now, which uh-huh. is... Mine might be Creed, but a very close second is Whiplash. And Heck Corey, yeah, I think baby. you agree. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So La La Land is the follow-up... Uh, to Whiplash, not as a sequel or anything like that, but it's the same writer and director, uh, Damien mm-hmm. Chazelle. Um, yes. Whiplash is a perfect movie. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Uh, La La Land is a musical that stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and it's about two uh, artists. Uh, Ryan Gosling's a jazz musician, and Emma Stone is an actress, and they're just kind of trying to make it in La La Land, Los Angeles, California. Yep. And the trailers were jaw-dropping for this thing. So yeah. because the trailers looked really good and because it's the second movie from the guy who made one of the best movies of the decade so far. Yep. <laughs> Corey and I's expectations were through <laughs> the roof for this thing. So Yes, they were. We figured it would be... Corey and I, like, for months... <laughs> With this movie, we're just texting back and forth about, did you see the new trailer? Oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, I tried showing it to my wife, but she was just looking at her phone the whole time. Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> she didn't understand, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was like by default going to be our favorite movie of 2016. Yeah, I think. yeah. Like there, I, yeah. I, I couldn't see imagine a world where it, it wouldn't be. And if you've watched yeah. the episode, it definitely is. Yeah. But yeah, so we wanted to do kind of a longer, more in-depth conversation about it than what you got from me on the YouTube show. And uh, mm-hmm. Mike just he he thought it was a good movie with the heart of an excellent one because he's wrong. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Corey and I are here. This is going to be a very gushy episode, and I'm sorry about that in advance because we both really loved it. But it's gushy because this movie is incredible. It so, really is, man. I, so, Corey, take it away. What what did you think about La La Land? Oh, my gosh. I was blown away by this movie. Like you said, I loved Whiplash. I think it is one of the best films made in the last decade. And, yeah, my expectations for this film were incredibly high. And Damien Chazelle, like, met them and exceeded those expectations. Mm-hmm. I... You know, and I went into this film, like, I guess maybe with a little bit of trepidation, just because I just feel like nowadays, like, all there's so much hype around all these different films. And then, you know, we go in and I <laughs> I know this is bad, but I feel like, you know, more often than not, I'm let down or it's like things are not as good as the hype train makes them out to be, i.e. Star Wars, Force <laughs> Awakens, uh, you know, just different things like that. And so I was really excited about this. I was like. Damien Chazelle, I don't think Whiplash was a fluke, so he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, like the first, even just the first opening sequence, like I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be incredible. Like I, I was like, can I pause this moment <laughs> and just like relive it again? And man, like 
it was so good. It was so good. So just, I loved it. Uh, we can talk more, but yeah, my initial impressions. I love the film. It's great. I'm going to go see it again. I might go see it a third time, but it's fantastic. What about you, MJ? I have chills listening to you talk about how much you love this movie. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I loved it. It's great. Uh, basically the movie started off, uh, in this like four by three black and white image. Yep. And it it has part of the CinemaScope logo visible in the four by three, and it, you can see you can kind of say that it says presented in CinemaScope. If you're a cinephile like I am, you know exactly what that logo is. Um, most people probably won't, and that's fine. Uh, but then it expands out of this beautiful purple uh, and yeah. blue LA sky, and it says presented in CinemaScope. And from that moment, this movie had like it, it could have gone to credits after that. And I would have been like, that was incredible. That was uh, so good. Um, so I was in the palm of this movie's hand for two yeah. hours and seven minutes. Like the, I've never so willingly opened myself up to being manipulated <laughs> in however, whatever way this filmmaker wanted me to be manipulated. Um Part of my history with the movie is that I won a huge prize package uh, consisting of a copy of the soundtrack on CD, uh, a copy of the soundtrack on vinyl, uh, a 45 uh, RPM single uh, on vinyl, mm -hmm. and tickets to go see them. Well, a gift card to the Arclight Cinema in LA. I couldn't make the trip down to LA, so that gift card will go to something else. But, yeah, so I, like, I had this moment before, and if you, you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll see... I check myself in and it, I just put in all caps, but what if it sucks? I was so nervous before this movie that what if it's bad? Like, I don't know if I can handle if this movie is bad. Um, yeah, I was, I was stress yeah. eating popcorn before. Like, I, it was I was I was feeling some kind of way about this movie even before it started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, gosh, this movie is so good. It's. Uh, it's it's just it's an all timer, man. It's so yeah, it good. is. Gosh, so yeah. what? I mean, you know, there's so many directions, but what are some specifics that you you loved about it besides the everything, Corey? Oh man, um, it's like where to begin? Like you yeah. said, uh, let's start with the music because those of you guys who've listened to the podcast, you know, I have an extensive background in music and I love jazz, and this this musical heavily features jazz. And a lot of these big sing and dance numbers. And the music is incredible. Like MJ said, he won that like package for La La Land. And he got a digital copy of the album. And he actually gave it to me. So probably for like a week and a half to two weeks before the movie came out, I was, wa I was listening to that nonstop. Yep. And I was just like blown away. Like I'd heard the single, The City of Stars song, yeah. which is incredible. It's great. But then like hearing the rest of the soundtrack, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> this is really good like the first track like another day of sun yeah i was just like this is bonkers good yeah. this is um oh, oh my goodness so <clears throat> all of that like uh coming into play like i love music and i love jazz and all that stuff the music in this film is so well composed so well put together um, without like nerding out too much, it covers a wide array of the different different swaths of like jazz music from kind of your more like big bandy to some bebop stuff to like your straight ahead swing 
to your kind of like jazz ballad, jazz type crooner ballads and stuff. And they even get uh, neo jazz in there. Yeah, they get some neo jazz in there, and it it's just incredible. The guy who composed this, um, Justin Hurwitz. I, yeah, he like he's a genius. He, <laughs> it's in, it's incredible, like what he was able to accomplish with this. Um, and so I was blown away by the fact of how well jazz and like the history of it was represented. And even though jazz is like, even though jazz is like a pretty big part of the film, like there's a lot of other aspects of the film too. And I just love how music was so integral in the film. And like a lot of the musical numbers in the film just felt like very organic. It didn't feel like, and now we're all going to like burst into song. Like it just felt like, yeah, this is a natural extension of these characters. And Damien Chazelle, like, understands how to write a musical. Man. And, yeah, oh, does. my gosh. I, I loved it so much. There was even uses of, like, um, just different, like, diegetic and non-diegetic music. Like, mm-hmm. stuff that wasn't composed for La La Land, but, like, some 80s stuff. Like, oh, this pool party scene. And it was so well done. Like, at first when the song came on, I was like, oh, that's a interesting choice but like as the scene progresses and you see like how it is incorporated i was like oh my gosh that's such a smart decision that's so good so anyway yeah music is incredible in this film so that's one thing yeah for me the big standout here is the camera work from damien chazelle heck yes oh my gosh oh my goodness he directed this thing with such energy and yes such like a purpose yeah, kinetic nature to it, man. Ugh, it's so good. There's so much good visual storytelling. Um, yes, there is. Oh, we have to come back to that. Yeah, oh my we goodness. will. We will. But just the way the camera moves in and out. I mean, the, the that opening sequence is a knockout. Like, gosh, yeah. it's all one take in this traffic jam. <laughs> There's so much stuff going on. There's so many freaking moving parts to this. Um, a lot of the big dance numbers are like that. The um. Uh, the lovely night song is all one take of them dancing. Like, yeah, it just yeah. Like, the movie feels like it could fall apart at any moment, um, in the best way possible. Yeah, it just like, there's just so much happening that it just feels like it shouldn't be working, and it somehow is. Is um, yeah, the song for me that sticks out for some reason I don't really know why is someone in the crowd the second song. Yeah, uh, with the girls getting ready for the party. That song gets stuck in my head really easily. I think it's because it sounds a lot like the Muppets theme song. Um, and uh, speaking of that, so that song sounds a lot like the Muppets song. And then the Fools Who Dream, uh, the audition song that Emma Stone does later in the movie. Yeah. Sounds a lot like Rainbow Connection to me. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I'm just here. Like, I don't know. But anyway, so that song, that song, that sequence, I loved when yeah. the girl uses the purple fan that they have in the kitchen as like she uses it as a transition within yeah. the scene. Like he he used it to hide an edit, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. But she she throws this. It's part of the choreography. She throws this purple fan out and she uses it like as a wipe across the screen. Yeah. To switch up the way the scene looks. And it, like my I was a puddle of person like it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, I've never seen that before, ever. And yeah. then 
when they get to the party and the dude jumps in the pool and the yes. camera goes in the water and then bounces up and is spinning around and everyone's dancing around the pool and it stays in the center of the pool. I was like, what is yeah. this? And then it turns into that swirling colors that you see in the trailer. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you said, it feels there's this frenetic energy to the camera work, but it's also controlled because mm -hmm. it feels like, Man, when is this going to like, you know, fall apart? When are the pieces going to like come out from under it? But he understands like what he's doing. And so I never, even though it felt frenetic and like lots of energy, I never felt like he was, you know, like out of control. Like he yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah. Ugh. And like the, the visual storytelling aspect of it is so good. Like, yes. When you, when, when Ryan Gosling first gets to his apartment and his sister has gotten in because she has a spare key and he's like, don't sit on that. You know, uh, I don't remember the, the, he says some famous jazz person sat on that. Yeah. Uh, it's a stool she's sitting on. And then at the end, like that comes back at the end of the movie. Yeah. He, like, he goes out of his way to show you the stool and like the significance it has now. Um, man, so, I mean, such smart choices through and through in this movie. Another, another big point before we like to skin to some particulars that we loved, um, is the, the storytelling and the, the script, the screenplay. Yeah. This movie was so well written. Like just, it, it knew what it wanted to accomplish. It knew what story it wanted to tell. And, you know, even though it had all the flash and like the bombastic like music and all this other stuff, it, it knew what it wanted to do. It knew the message that it wanted to get across to its audience. And it did that in spades. Yeah. Like when you get to that last 15 minutes and Ooh. I'm I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about that ending sequence. I was just like, oh, dang, <laughs> <laughs> this is some incredible writing mm -hmm. and just like the pulse of the themes that Damien Chazelle wants to come across in his films. I just feel like he is such a master of, you know, the script is so well written, but then again, like you mentioned the visual storytelling that just helps to lift up the script that is already like brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm just so amazed and <laughs> just so happy about it. I was like, yes, Yes, man, you just knocked it out of the park. And like the, the different themes the movie addresses, oh, uh, you know, about the cost of success and, you know, how love fits into that. And, you know, the whole idea of like people who dream and like kind of like all of that stuff. I just felt like it was handled so nicely. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, there were some some strands that didn't really get addressed or there was too many things and they didn't tie everything up. It was so well controlled again that I felt like when I got to the end, I was just like, yes, movie. I understand completely what you wanted me to understand. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The themes in this movie are, like, ah, so good. Just the way he chose to explore them. You know, it's not the first time these starving artist people have been portrayed, and it won't be the last time. But, man, nope. he nails that. Like, so many of these scenes hit so close to home. Yeah, uh, me too. As you know, as as someone who <laughs> who is creatively inclined and is trying to get a career going in a very creative field, um, it's like it was like, oh man, and it was funny because both of them really feel like that. Because when when he first comes in and he sees the stool and he's like, 
oh gosh, so-and-so sat on this and the baked potato just threw it out. I was like, oh, he's me. Got it. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> towards the end, you know, Emma Stone is just gets kind of fed up with the whole thing. And she leaves and goes back home to her parents and he being the romantic that he is, uh, as the way the movie portrays it, he's actually a giant creep. Um, <laughs> he he goes and finds her at her, her parents and, and uh, you know, she's like, why should I even do this? Even though she has this cool opportunity on the table for her. Um, she's like, why? Mm -hmm. Why would I go do this? And he's like, because you can, because you should, because you're good enough. And she's like, maybe I'm not. And he's like, but you are. And she's like, maybe I'm not. And I was like, oh, she's me. Uh, yep. Um, yep. You know, and, and it was <clears throat> it was one of those things where, like, as someone who is not getting paid to do a lot of the stuff he loves to do yet, um, it just kind of it felt like it felt like every single week of my life to me <laughs> um, in two hours. Yeah, just like, I, I want to stop writing. I want to stop podcasting. I want to stop doing any of this every week. Yeah, For, like I get that. I have mm -hmm. an existential crisis a week. Uh, I'm fine. Don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> that came out more depressing than it sounds. But like I freak out about this stuff a lot. And yeah. with those exact same things of like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I should stop pursuing this. And it's just like, that's yes. Like that's how I feel yeah. constantly, <laughs> but I keep doing it. And like, yeah. there's also just, there's something about it that keeps pulling me back in and I keep yep. doing it and I keep working at it. And I don't know if it'll come to anything ever. And I don't know if I'm going to ever hit a spot where I have to give it up and I might, but then again, I might not. So until I know, why would I stop? You know, so yeah. that's, the, that's the, like, those are the two sides of your brain as a creative person that you are constantly fighting with. And, like, the way Damien Chazelle puts that on the screen is perfect. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, I saw you tweeted, like, when Mia goes to do her one uh, woman play and the oh. curtain opens up and there's barely like no one there oh gosh that's such a painful scene i was just like it hits so close to home yeah and, and you said like that's what it's like looking at podcast listeners every week yep oh my gosh uh. i knew that you know and when he shows up at the theater because he misses her one woman show yeah it's like ah uh. and she's like nobody came and they can't pay the theater back i was like oh yeah that's definitely me like that's just constantly me yeah like, it's just like, like nobody's oh, listening crap. to this i'm spending so much money going to the movies why like why am i even doing this yeah uh, yeah i i gosh i loved it so much and then with him his thematic yeah. arc is that he's so passionate about this one thing and he's he's working so hard towards it and then he gets this thing that's kind of close but not quite what it is and he's got to decide whether he's okay with it or not. You know, he yeah. ends up taking a gig in this Neo jazz group that John Legend's character <laughs> leads. And, you know, it's very poppy and very flashy and very yeah, showy. And it's not, it's not anything he wants to do, but it's, it's again, Damien Chazelle understands like the whole idea of like to get into like doing the things that we're passionate about, like whether it's like musicians or writers or whatever, you usually have to go through some crap or some stuff that like is not, you know, like, we like to think of as like, oh, it's not important. It's the stuff below us. And so it's this really cool arc of seeing like Ryan Gosling's character being like, am I compromising myself to do something to get money to eventually get me to a place where 
I'm going to be able to like do the thing I'm passionate about. You know, like yeah. is he losing himself in the midst of being part of this kind of like neo jazz group? Yeah, it actually kind of reminded me a lot of uh, John Mayer and his whole thing because like, you know, John Mayer's first two albums are very poppy. And then yeah. you get into Continuum, his third album, and it's a straight up blues album. And then, like, you get into him with the John Mayer trio, and it's super yeah, the trio, super yeah. jazzy. It's getting so different from you know, Your Body Is a Wonderland or uh, Yeah, I Want to Run Through the house, Halls of My High School, yeah. whatever song that was. And it's like, <laughs> oh, he was just getting popular, so that when he came out with this stuff, he'd still have some fans left over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he freely admits that. Like, you'll see interviews with him where he's just like, yeah, I kind of hate those songs, but I did what I had to do. Yeah, and I, I just love that dichotomy that Damien Chazelle is able to put on screen. And in interviews, he's talked about like, you know, this this isn't like autobiographical, but you know, he said there's a lot of himself in both of these characters. Yeah, for sure. And I I loved I love seeing that because I feel like this is the kind of internal dilemma that a lot of creatives deal with at some point or another. And I loved there's just such great again to the writing of the script, there's just great pieces of commentary like when Sebastian is talking to his friend Keith and he's just and Keith is like, Man, you're the problem with like <laughs> jazz. You know, yeah. but it's like, I, I get that. Like, I get the point of like, I want to like put my stake in the ground and say like, you know, this is something that's like a dying breed and like we need people to understand it. I want people to come to love it. Like, I love his explanation to Mia when she's like, I hate jazz and his face just goes pale and he's like, you've never like heard live jazz. Let's go. And he explains it to her. But, you know, like his friend Keith, like in some ways it's like, ah. Like, is, you know, like, are we the type of problem where, like, you know, this is the stake and, like, I want people to come to understand this. And he's like, you got to move forward. You have to, like, change with the times. And it's just, it was just very, like, good commentary, like, oh, yeah. on top of the whole, these whole overarching themes. And I just, I love that. I love that little attention to detail for different things like that. No, I agree. And, like, that's another thing that I, you know, if you look at the history of this podcast, like, it started as me kind of watching older movies. Corey, the first episode you came on was a jazz movie called New York, New York by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I want to talk about the tribute to that later on. But yeah, um, I like I started this as an old movie podcast because I love old movies. And then we did mm -hmm. our first current movie, which was Furious 7. And <laughs> through a fluke, sure. But... It's the most listened to episode of the podcast in the podcast's history. Um, yeah. And then, I, like, it kind of, like, I had to struggle with it for a long time because people listened because I was doing movies they had heard about. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I had to be like, okay, well, let's just try this for the summer. We'll do yep. current movies through the summer. But we're still going to do one old movie. We're going to do two movies every episode. And then it turned out to be too much for people. And so... We got rid of that completely, and for a while we were just doing current movies, and the summer eventually became the fall, and the fall eventually became the next year, and then mm -hmm. we arrived at the idea for the before and after show film school. Uh, yeah. Which is, like, it, it, it's this perfect way, in my opinion, uh, maybe I'm too close to the thing, but it's this perfect <laughs> way to kind of blend that thing, right? We only yeah. do them on the before episodes. There's there You only have to watch one movie a month for it. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we get to do the film history, but we also get to do the technical aspect of film, which I'm also a big nerd for. And so I think like we eventually arrived at a compromise but I am so uncompromising when it comes to this podcast. Like people will suggest yeah. stuff and I get so defensive. Like I had someone try to tell me that the theme song was too long and I had like a paragraphs plural <laughs> long explanation uh, for why the theme song was as long as it was. Like I scienced out why our theme song was this long, why I had Corey do well, Corey came to me with the idea of doing it. Um, but why, like why I agreed to have Corey do it, why it is 45 seconds. And I've heard podcasts with two minute long intro songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally understood that aspect of his character too, of being, yeah. like, wanting to be really bullheaded about progress yeah. and moving forward. So they both hit like a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of things um yeah for me specifically even though you know i'm not an actor or a jazz musician i'm a podcaster and writer journalist um yeah. it, it man it just feels you know and for anyone who thinks i'm getting a little too real on the episode uh, once again i'm fine but that's yeah. the kind of movie this is it's got an emotional punch to it like oh, people boy. try to ask me like how do you summarize this and i'm like it's it's a it's a musical and it's great and it's fun but at the core of it, there is there's just a very strong like emotional current that runs through. And by the time you get to the end of the movie, even though it's billed as like, you know, a fun musical, and it is that, you really just feel like drained emotionally. Oh, oh uh, my gosh. I have a question for you. Yes. How did your wife react to this movie? <laughs> uh, she was very much like. She's like, this is very close to home for like both of us in a couple ways. But she was just like, she's like, the whole time I was watching this film, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, like that could have been my life. Like trying to struggle, trying to change my appearance, trying to like please whatever like the agent or the label wanted. Uh, Hannah, my wife, she went to school for voice. She studied like opera and she decided to switch out of that and like you know she majored in music still but she decided not to do opera because basically there you know this was the path for her a lot of struggling a lot of talking to agents a lot of changing your image and so yeah the whole time she was watching this she was just like oh man this is so close to home and I mean I knew this movie was going to have that emotional punch because you know it's Damien Chazelle and like whiplash wrecked me (laughs) and and I and I knew like he he does that and we can talk more about the ending in a second. But like I, I knew that was coming. But for some reason, maybe I, I let my defenses down a little bit because of all the, the song and dance and the jazz flashiness. And I was like, oh, it's like it's so fun. But yeah, that last like half hour, man, it's a killer. Yeah. Uh, and I was just... My wife had a full on meltdown. Um, <laughs> the things we do to our wives mj yeah. we yeah. show them films so they have existential crises. she she had a very similar reaction to your wife uh yeah it. yeah it was very much that but it was also on her end because she did stop doing music and went into a completely unrelated field uh or is trying to and she was like oh i want to get back into it rather yeah. than i'm glad that i left it it was i miss it um, yeah at least for recreation or at least just yeah. to have an outlet uh but yeah it was uh 
Many tears were shed in the Smith household for this movie. Yes, I I I cried. Uh, let's let's talk about some favorite like technical moments, and then we can like jump over to the end. Sure, um, we've only got about five minutes, so. Uh... Okay, well, I'll I'll shoot out the gate real quick. There was a couple scenes that I just really wanted to talk about in terms of camera work and visual storytelling. Okay, so uh, story wise, we come to the point. Where where his friend offers Sebastian playing this band and Sebastian is like, Oh crap, I hate this. And you see when they're rehearsing and he's like, okay, I'm going to try to make this work. And they're playing for like a second. And then like all this electronic drum kits and stuff, <laughs> come on. And Sebastian's like, what the crap, man. And he just pushes through it because at this point, the movie does have this whole dichotomy of like, you know, how does love fit into this whole idea of like ambition and chasing your dreams and, you know, the whole city of stars song kind of deals with that. Like where does love fall in that whole mix? But the scene following that, um, where it's like, you see a a kind of a montage of him coming in late nights and his outfit and stuff Mm -hmm. and her working on her like one woman play and she's sending emails. But then finally it aligns where she's able to come to one of his performances and oh my gosh, like that, scene i think is one of my favorite scenes in the whole film there's a ton and so i need to go see it again but i was just so spellbound when uh mia comes to one of sebastian's concerts and she doesn't really know like what type of music he's playing she Mm -hmm. thinks like oh he's found a band that he loves to play in and this is awesome and john legend starts the song and she's in the crowd and you can clearly see where she is there's kind of like you know, they they show you this is where Mia is and he's singing. And then the song starts with like Sebastian doing kind of like his jazz piano stuff that we've seen all throughout the movie. And so it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And her face is all lit up. Yeah. And then the song kicks into high gear and everything comes up and she sees all the flashiness of like this band. And like the sound is like so foreign to her. And the stuff that Emma Stone does with her face. Oh my goodness. Just, just like this feeling of like betrayal and like who are you and how she makes eye contact with Ryan Gosling and he's just he's just he's gone from playing this really like technical soulful stuff to just playing like these synth patches with like one hand like not even trying and him just trying to like force a smile because he's doing this out of love for her but she's completely misunderstanding this because she's like you've like compromised your dreams like who are you and just as the scene goes on like how it's shot and then when it gets to where there's like a solo break and Ryan Gosling like breaks out into the solo and all all the audience, like all these different women like rush the stage and you see Mia slowly and slowly like get pushed further and further back out of the crowd till she's almost out of the frame. It's such great foreshadowing and just another way to visually show like what is happening to their relationship. For and- So for like... Oh my gosh. And yes. it also delivers on the second song, which is her basically I want song, which is someone in the crowd, which is yes. like, I just want yeah. to be someone in the crowd. But then she, she has remorse about it. Like, is this all I'm destined to be is someone in the crowd? And the answer is kind of yes. In that moment. Yeah. Uh, so good. Oh uh, th- yeah. That was, I mean, there's tons of scenes that I loved, but like that was a standout one to me. I was just like, Oh my gosh, Damien Chazelle like knows what he's doing. Like 
just there's so much stuff going on in that scene, but it's so controlled, and he he's laser focused. He's yeah. laser focused on what he wants to do. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I had to talk about that one. I. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh man, so good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so let's talk about the ending. So the end, they, yes, <laughs> they break up. Uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, they break oh, up. No. and we get this title card that says "Winter." We've been following them through a year, and then it says five years later, and you're like, what? "Even the title cards are brilliant." MJ, the song that starts the movie is another day of sun because it's always sunny in LA. And yep. so the title cards are this fun subversion of like, Hey, it's winter. Hey, it's still sunny outside. Hey, yeah. it's spring. It's sunny. Oh, sorry. Yep. So good. Um, <clears throat> so we see five years after like the events of them breaking up and, and all that. And they're, they both got what they wanted because they broke up and Mia's married and, <clears throat> her and her husband have a child and she's a big movie star and Sebastian has gone and opened his jazz club and they leave for a date night and they're supposed to be going to a play but traffic is LA traffic and uh yeah you know, the we movie know about begins, that <laughs> the movie begins and ends on a traffic jam uh yes oh man uh he's so good sorry and uh and so they pull off and they're like let's just go get dinner and then because mia loves jazz now clearly her husband should probably love jazz they see this jazz club and they're like hey let's go in this place looks sweet and so they go in and it's sebastian's club and with the logo that that she designed for him while they were dating yep and so he starts playing and he notices her in the crowd someone in the crowd uh Again, the oh man, so good. And she notices him on I stage, know. obviously. And we get this this basic, basically like a recap slash flashback slash parallel flash to what could have been with them if they would have stayed together. Yeah. Um, and man, it is it's <laughs> it floored me, man. Yeah, me too. It was it was weird, MJ, because when it it did the like the last fifteen minutes and we jumped and it's winter or whatever, and then it says five years later, I was kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah, what, it's really what, jarring. What? Yeah, I was like, what are, what are we doing? And like, you only see her, and as she enters that jazz club, like it's funny because all these realizations starts to happen, and like we all, we obviously guess it's like, oh, it's probably his jazz club, but the way that she emotes just with her face again and then when they finally see each other and that oh my gosh that flashback parallel flashback it's just it's so heartbreaking because it's kind of like you know the movie's saying like well you you had this option and this is the path you went down but you know if you would have said that love was more important than you know making it you know this is what you could have had yeah you know and it's like they their dreams could have somewhat coexisted together yep. because and i oh my gosh it was and i, I wasn't expecting that but like i i was expecting they're not going to be together but like in retrospect after it like as this was happening i was watching it's it like it's like what i wouldn't expect anything less from the guy who did whiplash and how that ending can be interpreted in yeah. numerous ways and but it was so well done, though. It wasn't, like, cheesy or campy. Like, the whole montage and then, like, the parallel, like, kind of this is what could have been montage. It was so well done. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't really elaborate more. We also have to go uh, record yes. another podcast. So we'll yes. leave it at that. Um, there's so much that we didn't get to talk about. We didn't get to talk about, uh, you know, 
how like whether or not they did make the right decision by breaking up uh and that kind of stuff but uh yeah go see this movie several times support it yes uh tell people tell your theater if it's not in your area that you want it at your theater go like seek it out more more than anything i I think we've ever done on the podcast go see this movie man they don't make movies like this anymore it's like such an homage to like hollywood but then, like, it's such its own identity, and it's so singular in its focus. Like, it, yeah, it's just we don't get great films like this anymore. So go support it. Go see it. It's totally worth it. Yes, absolutely. We're going to go record about Rogue One right now. Uh, so you guys can yes. listen to that episode. It'll be out by the time this is out. And uh, until next time, go see La La Land. Yes. <laughs>